Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But we continue with the series in Galatians. And I said this morning and I'll say it again, Galatians is a good book for us. I honestly believe we could preach it every week for year after year and God would explode our hearts, reveal Jesus, bring freedom and life as we continue to do that. And here's the thing, it's not always easy because there's no narrative like Daniel or or one of these books we can follow the story. So it's a book where God's saying, I want you to work hard, I want you to get into the truths because I'm dealing with your thinking. I believe that right thinking leads to right believing, which leads to right living. We work so hard. I want to live so right. And we'll change your thinking. The theologians would say orthodoxy, right believing, leads to orthopraxy, right living. And God said, I want to take you on that journey. And, and Galatians, at the center of the Galatian challenge, is not about, about the what. It's not about the what. And you realize sometimes we become so principled in Christianity or comfortable in Christianity and Christianity becomes a bunch of principles rather than a relationship and journey with Jesus. That in the principle, we start focusing on the what rather than the why. And God's saying, actually, I want your heart to go on a journey of the why again, continuously, every day. So they stopped in endurance. They fed a man, they, they, they got felt led to pray with him, they felt led to do amazing things, and I've heard a bit more of the story, it's incredible. Is that now the principle? Every person you're going to stop, is that what Jesus did? What do you do with the poor? How do you walk that road? Right now, in South Africa. I don't know when last you've been to some of the other cities or towns in our nation. We're a little islanded in Cape Town. A little bit different to the rest of Africa. It's not a robot. When I went to Durban in July, you don't stop. I've just swallowed something that's stuck here. I'll be back. (coughs) Hello. So what do you do with it? How do you walk a journey of compassion where God instructs your people, remember the poor? How do you walk that out every day in life in Africa where that dynamic is exploding. How do you live that life? Is it a principle? Now I'm going to give every person, I'm going to put a clothing. Can you do that? Or is God going to lead and show? And are we people who walk with God and God's going to lead us and show us? And we keep our hearts big and understand that actually I'm called to be a generous person. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to challenge and provoke you. Because we default to precedent, and I'm telling you, principled Christianity leads to legalistic Christianity. And yesterday's freedoms can become tomorrow's chains when they become the principles that lead us to life. Because a principle doesn't lead me to life, a person does. His name is Jesus. Always. And Galatians stirs that, challenges us, and calls us, and keeps reminding us that, hang on guys, there's still these two cages we can fall into. And we all have a default to one of them. One of them is called licentiousness. Loose living and, and, and many have been in the church for many years or even haven't had the opportunity to live a wild life. We go, ooh, that's not a cage I'm going in. But there's another very real cage called legalism and it's just as devastating. Where principles bring life supposedly to us rather than Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I want you to navigate this road. I want you to walk a road and we've got to go, well, how do you do that? Without the principles, without the laws limiting us and calling us on a, how do you walk that road? That's very right in the book. Is that right? Wonderful. 
Can we read from Galatians chapter 5, please? And verse 13, and I love reading the Word of God, so here we go. In my Bible, it's titled, Life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. It's a pretty solid list, eh? let's be honest. I mean, if we were going to try add, Paul's pretty, he's done a good job at that list. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Haven't used, I don't use that word a lot. It's a great word, forbearance. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Four simple points today, and two quick stories, and we're done. But I pray your heart would be rocked by the word of God tonight. Challenged to the core. This series continues to challenge me. And the first point is this. There's a greater desire. And I'll explain. In verse 24, it makes a statement. Paul makes a statement. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I've got to process that. And if I take that in isolation out of the context, go, crucified the flesh. I'm not sure my flesh is crucified because it keeps rising again. Don't know about you, but there's this reality that when I walk a road and on the journey of the road, I think I've got one thing under control. It's like I've got that covered. I focus on another egg, boop, pops back up. No, no, you're dead. You're dead. Whoop. Thought I had it under control. No, this thing of the flesh that is anti-everything of the Spirit, and I've been walking with the Lord for many, many years in my life, and I fought this battle many times, and I get areas under control, and all of a sudden, circumstance, situation, emotions get out of kilter and would take my eye off Jesus, and boop, boop, things pop up. Sounds a bit like Pac-Man. And um, it says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And here's the thing. He's not saying there will not be the desires of the flesh. Please allow yourself to live free in the fact that right now there are desires of the flesh in each and every one of us. And let's not act like they're not. I think we look at Jesus as this guy who walked and, and he just never studied, he never struggled with envy. He leaves the perfection of heaven and lives in the home of a carpenter for 30 years. Maybe you think he never struggled with boredom, just dissatisfaction with his call. He spent 30 years learning how to be a carpenter. He created the world and the tree that he made. He's now cutting into a shape. He struggled with a few things he would have had to face up with some realities. Here's what doesn't happen when we encounter Jesus. Our desires don't just automatically fall away. No, he says, actually, the Spirit of God comes in us and reveals a greater desire. A walking with Jesus Christ an understanding, and we have to speak this because verse 17 says this. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There is a battle. The struggle is real. It's still real. It's real in this room for each and every one of us. He says this, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are under the law, no longer under the law. So the struggle is real. And a Christian is not someone who doesn't have struggles anymore. I'm so like Jesus. Don't struggle with anything. Look at me. Nothing. Just this, I... No, there is a struggle. And a Christian is, some, is a person who is at war with those desires. Not out of their own efforts, but by the power of the Spirit in our lives. And the wooing of the Spirit, revealing Jesus, revealing the Father, revealing Jesus, revealing the Father. It's that power that takes us on the journey that I don't pulled in by every desire, every moment, and controlled the desires in my life. I'm drawn by a greater desire to worship and adore Jesus. Conflict in our soul isn't all bad. But it's how we engage that conflict, by what power and what motivation. And the challenge is, Jesus wasn't the only one to keep rising. These, these desires in your life and my life will pop up. So funny. Years ago, Candace, my wife, came out of a drug scene and, and, a, and, and a rave scene. She gets radically saved for four months. She's like this Holy Ghost bunny. She's just like, I want to go to every meeting at church. This is amazing. She's just that person. I was like, whoa, calm down, chick. But you can't, because God's got her. There's a new desire. It's a greater desire. And I got this phone call one night from a weeping Candace on the other side. I'm like, what's going on? No, no, no. I, I, I needed a Lucy on the other side of the phone weeping. I'm like, what do you mean a Lucy? No, I went and bought a cigarette. I had to smoke a cigarette. And she's like broken. I'm like, are you okay? You're not dying. It's not like you've slipped all the way back to under Satan's realm because you had a cigarette. God has got your heart. He's taking you on a journey and a desire popped up. And all you've got to do is just get a handle on that desire by focusing back on Jesus. And, and she went through this emotional turn. I'm like, no, what are you doing? And many Christians live like that. It's like 100% Jesus or not. No, live with the reality there's conflict and allow the Spirit of God to allow you to win the battle. And I want to tell you this, that actually your freedom and your walking away from chains is not your ability to manage your desires and your sin management systems. That's what SMS means. Did you know that? No one ever, who knows? But no, your ability to put sin management systems in your life. Oh, I'm struggling with porn. I'm going to take my MacBook and throw it in the ocean. I'm going to take my laptop and crash it under. I'm going to take my solvent and break it. No, the reality is you probably can't talk to the world then. And you probably need that for work. So you can put structures, you can put some things, you can have things like accountability things which are helpful, but ultimately they will be short-term realities that will bring some short-term breakthrough, but it will not lead to breakthrough that you require to walk free from your chains and your focusing on your sin won't get you there. The only way to get you there is a replacement of that desire and the fact that the most intoxicating possibility on the face of this planet in terms of desires is a relationship with Jesus. I'm convinced of it. We've got to call people to that. Is it possible? Well, think about the psalmist, and I think he puts this weird scripture out there. says, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Just let's think about that for a bit. When last did you pant for God? 
No, no, I think he's painting a picture. And he's saying, let me paint a picture that you are called and designed to thirst and hunger for God. When last were you thirsty? Like really thirsty. We took our kids for a hike in the Cedarburg in about 45 degree temperature. And great parents we are, we took hardly any water. We loved it. We forgot you got to walk back. So we got to the point we wanted to walk and we said, boys, how was that? And our little four-year-old with flushed cheeks and sweats all over says, that was awesome. Do you have any water? He's like, no. He's like, ah. Oh. He was, he was thirsty. He would have drunk anything. If he'd seen a little one on the ground, he would have taken it. We are designed, and Psalmist is saying, you are made to thirst and hunger for God. Be completely satisfied in that relationship. You know what? When you are thirsting and hunger for something, you're not worried about the rest. When you're walking in a desert and you're thirsty, you want water and you'll take it from a rock. You're not cared if a Lamborghini drives past you unless you can drink water out of its system. You don't care. You're not captivated by big bank accounts. When you are thirsty and hungry and realize that that is your state, it pulls you into a desire to know Jesus. The greatest example I know of this is very close to home. And I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks in the evening. Did I mention about my brother-in-law and his journey with homosexuality? Just had another conversation with him the other day. It's just so inspiring. And maybe you'll struggle with this and maybe you'll... But, but he walked in a homosexual relation for eight years and it wrecked him. To the point that he tried to commit suicide. And the only way we, it got stopped is because his GPS tracker located him in a hotel in Bethlehem. And the cops got to him in time. The only way he's still alive. Then he encountered the love of Jesus. It's now four years down the line. People are watching and they're saying, watch. And I sat with him about two years ago and recently as well. I said, how does this work, Rana? He said, Mark, you know what? I still do have a challenge with same-sex attraction. And I'm happy to debate the theology with you. But the Bible doesn't say my brokenness is sin. It says what I do with my brokenness and how I operate on that is sin. Just telling you. It says, so I know homosexuality is sin because my Bible tells me so. So I don't pursue those relationships and I will not pursue those relationships. And I'm so satisfied in intimacy with Jesus that if I live a life for the next 50 years in celibacy and intimacy with Jesus, that'll be enough for me. You must see his life flourish at the moment. What Jesus is doing, it's unbelievable. If you just knew his life four or five years ago, you wouldn't think they're the same people. Why? See, could that unction, that desire, that wants to pull him into darkness and smallness, isn't as great and isn't as good as the desire to worship Jesus because he has tasted and he has seen the goodness of the living God who is seated on his throne and he is captivated by him. And other desires that would pull and other desires that would control in his life, like slave masters that would determine the paths that he would walk, no longer have that control because that control is taken back by the authority of Jesus in his life, and he walks free because of it. It's unbelievably amazing. I really need to move past point number one, but I'm going to give you one more thing. And someone mentioned at the core conference, and it's just too good not to mention. What does Jesus call himself? He says, I am John 6, and the bread of life. And the challenge came to us yesterday, and I was struck off my chair. And the guy said, stop making him just an ingredient. You want to be satisfied by Jesus? 
Get rid of the other ingredients you're trying to throw in the mix and allow Jesus to be your every satisfaction bread of life. I think that's amazing. The second point, and it's going to be much quicker, is it's not your party. How do I say that? Well, in that same scripture, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. It's not about you and your party. It's my party. Now Jesus says I'm free. I'm going to do whatever I want because Jesus says I'm freedom. No, he says he pulls you into a bigger story. Justification is not a signing up for it's all about me. And then the question comes, well, how do you navigate this life? Good question. That's what Paul's getting us to. He's encouraging us and telling us on a journey. And I want to challenge you that yesterday's freedoms, and we start building little, little idols around how we got free yesterday. God's saying, I've got a free story for you today. Because freedom and the journey to freedom is an everyday reality for all of us. See, I could have been pulled in by a love for money and a desire to be success. In my story, in my personal story, my parents got liquidated at a strategic time in my life. And there was a bent, a, a deformity in me that said, I've got to be successful. It wasn't about money. It was success. Because I saw my dad go from a successful businessman to a guy with nothing overnight. And something came inside of me and said, you're going to be a success. So I began to work for that idol. You know what it did? It controlled me controlled my emotions. When I got good reviews, I was up. And Jesus was amazing. When I got bad reviews at work, I was down. When I, when I got the position, I was up. When I didn't get the position I wanted, I was down. No, that means there is a master in your life and he is controlling your emotions and it's not Jesus. And you've got to break that and allow that reality to break into your life. And the only way to do that is not by focusing on that idol. It's by focusing on the King of Kings and allowing him to be your every satisfaction. We need to know what, what's right? Even that term, is this the right job? No, no, stop. Will it work for this person? No, no. What's right is Jesus tells us. In John 5, it says, Jesus gave us the answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son of God can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. We can't desire. Many Christians live like this. Well, I want to be a Christian, obviously. I want to be like Jesus, so I've just got to be different to the world. There's limitations to that. Here's the thing. Jesus wore clothes. So did the world. Jesus ate food. So did the world. Jesus had a glass of wine. So did the world. Am I just going to try to be different to the world? Is that my objective? No. My destination is not get to the end of life. You were different to the world. Well done. Come, Welcome to heaven. No, my destination is not a tick box in heaven. My destination isn't even heaven. My destination is the Father. Jesus says, I came so that you can find life and find your way to the Father. Heaven's just the place. The perfection is relationship with the Father. And that's not just for one day when I'm in heaven. It's for now. I live like Jesus did to please the Father. It's not about do I take the job or don't I? no. What does the Father say? People come to me and say, Mark, this is the thing and this is the thing. What should I do? I say, I don't know. What does the Father say? No, there's, is it legal? I can help you with that. Will it be good for people? I can help you with that. I can give wisdom to that. What does the Father say? Because your journey is to hear the Father's voice. Not some man on earth. I'm just a dork on earth. Who loves you? Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. 
Honestly. I get it wrong sometimes. Many times. But the father doesn't. The father backs you. The father won't let you down. The father doesn't make mistakes. The father's in control. The father will raise the dead to life. The father. Point number three. There's a new boss in town. I don't know where I got these points from. They came to me on the plane. But um, it comes from this verse. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So there's an implication that says this. You were under the law. Under. So, so you lived a life in order to not break law. And when you didn't break law, you have pleased God. That's called every other religion in the world. Every single one of them. Live the good life like your God tells you. Don't break all 617 laws and God will be happy with you. Christianity says, actually, if you are led by the Spirit, there's a new leader in our lives. And here's the reality. It means you've got to be led. So you've got to understand what was leading you. Why do I do? Like Paul says in Romans, he says, why do I do what I don't want to do when I don't want to do it and yet I do it anyway and I know I don't want to do it? I sound like, boo, do it. See, <laughs> so you were with me, am I right? You were in. Bit of a rapper, eh? Yeah. And, um, but, but think about it. We could, I think one of the greatest freedoms come when we do the analysis of our own lives and say, why do I do what I don't want to do? Let me help you. One called fear of man. Maybe looks like rejection. Maybe one called fear of failure. Maybe one called insecurity. Maybe one called bad disciplines. Maybe one big one just called fear. And those are mine. You've got to find your own. Because every time I do what I don't want to do, it's one of those leading me. And I'm saying, I've got to get back and I've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Not by a principle that might please God. Hopefully, maybe I'll find out in heaven. No, I want to, I want to please God now. The Holy Spirit is not just a guide in our life. He's also the fuel for that mission. And, and, and He brings an appetite for change for God in our lives as He stirs it up and I begin to pant and hunger and thirst for the living God. It's a growing appetite. For some, it's like instantly everything changes. For me, 18 years old, I ate my first avocado, sold, done. Give me avos all day. I'll eat avos. I'll have a coat like a Great Dane. This is very good for you. Don't know where that came from. But, um, but sometimes you've got to change an appetite over time through disciplines, through, through making decisions. One of the other. Change the appetites. Point number four. Learn to be led and walk with the Spirit. In verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I joked this morning, I've never learned to soki soki because of a fear because I, every time, the only chance I get is at a party. I don't want to be that guy, you know, like out of step. With, and Edwin's just dancing around. And Ed, Edwin or Robbie Vessels Travis, they're just operating that dance floor. I'm like, what is that? In Durban, that's not a thing, bro. That's not called dancing. It's something else. It's demonic, that thing. But I'm learning. But here's the implication. I don't lead the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, to many Christians, become like that, that, knot, that sword we bring out when we need healing. I need good one. And then we pray for healing, we just put them back. I'll call you next week. Too many people live like that. Holy Spirit's not a thing, it's a person. He's a person we walk with. We have and he's called we are called to be in step with him, which means I get in line with him. 
Two stories and we're done. I've had to learn this journey. And I'm not perfect. Far from it. When I was 18 years old, I fortunately had a few cohorts and I made a club cricket side while I was still at school, but I was very young. But for three or four years, I'd been walking with Jesus, loving Jesus in youth, giving my life to Jesus. And now I encounter a different environment where I'm playing cricket with some of the Natal cricketers who were my heroes. And it was ridiculous. I was at school, I hadn't had favor. And now I have favor in a club environment and I'm overwhelmed by this dynamic. And it's the guys who've given me opportunities and I'm playing in this environment and I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling like, yo, God, this is amazing. And we have an interview at dinner and the wives are there. Everyone's there, an 18-year-old kippy with all the big O's. And then 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, all the wives are gone. I'm like, okay. So the guy said, come. And I get in someone's car. It's not my car. It's one of the Natal cricketers' cars. I nearly said his name. Thank you, Jesus, for the control of the tongue. And, um, and uh, next we were driving, and we're driving, and we're in an area of Durban. I don't really know that well because I wasn't a naughty boy, actually. I know some of you think like he was. I wasn't that bad. I tried to be, but I wasn't good at it. And... Um, and, and uh, my school boarding mate is here. He knows. And um, we had a part of town I don't know very well. Next minute, we parked outside a strip joint. And every one of these guys named fear of man and fear and insecurities, every one of these guys says, don't fight it. What will they think? You'll never get chosen again if you're that stupid little stuck-up kid who says something now. But there's another voice. It's been Faithful. There's another voice that's been true. There's another voice that's been kind called the Holy Spirit saying, Son, so Father, got an inheritance for you. Not just in eternity, but today as well. The inheritance looks like sexuality in your marriage. It looks like many things. And I think something big happened in my life that night. I didn't have the guts to tell them, guys, my reasonings for not going. I just said, I'll see you now. And the guys went inside. And I started a two and a half hour walk home from the point area in Durban at two in the morning. It's a long walk because there's many voices speaking, but it's quiet. These voices saying, what are you doing? This voice saying, go boy. I've got to make a decision which one I'm going to follow. So grateful to God that he led me I'm not that strong. I definitely wasn't in those days. Promise you. Grateful to God, I've never been in that environment before. I've never since. Walked in many roads like that. I'm grateful to God I got married a virgin. It wasn't through my efforts. I played rugby overseas for a season. Had opportunities that astounded me. Didn't even know. Why? Because these voices are loud. But I want to live for this. Could allow myself to be led. Good decisions don't happen by the will of man holding on. I'm just going to do it because it's the right thing to do. No, actually, I really wanted to go into that, Joel, to be brutally honest. I'm an inquisitive person by nature. And then I want to give you a picture that might help. See, life with God, I believe, cannot be lived by Red Bull Christianity, and, and we always, when we speak about the Holy Spirit, often in charismatic evangelical circles, it's in this context of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a waterfall dynamic, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I think this being led by the Holy Spirit is given a different picture. It's one that looks more like this. 
See, a year ago, I cut myself while trying to do plumbing, and it was a humbling moment for me because I realized, one, I'm not very good at plumbing, and two, you've got to actually clean a wound. And I got septicemia or something in my arm. They were like great, red things going up my arm. It wasn't great. And I went in the hospital. The doctor rushed me in. They got me on all sorts of IV stuff, and I'm walking around. Now I've got to spend two or three days on one of these things. I'm hyperactive, if you haven't noticed. And um, I don't sit well. So they said, you've got to stay here and just stay on this thing. I'm like, no, I can't do that. It's not possible. So I'm finding myself walking around a hospital, but I need this thing because I'm getting very sick. And if I, they said if I'd gone another 24 hours without this, I would have lost the use of my nerves in my hands. So I need this thing. And I realize I need this thing. I make a decision. So I start walking around the hospital like a, a dork with showing too much in the back here, following this reality in my life. And I think it's not a perfect picture, but to me it's a picture of the Holy Spirit in my life that I need. If you're a believer and a son of God, I'm telling you you're in a conflict, and you will always be in a conflict until you're in heaven. Stop denying the conflict and start accepting that you need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you and show you the road, and lead, let Him lead you. Let Him lead you. Which means you've got to put some other unctions and desires aside. Not by your own effort, but by allowing the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus and show you the Father. And every day, show you Jesus and show you the Father. And you get up in the morning and you say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus and show me the Father again. And we find ourselves on our knees weeping before the King of Kings again because He is glorious and He is faithful and He is true. But I'm led in that journey. I'm not the leader. You want to walk a successful Christian life, walking free from those evil desires that keep pulling you, give, a, give up your need to lead. And allow the Spirit of God to lead you. For some of you, it's the boardrooms of this world that are called, you are called to facilitate millions of rands and deals of millions of dollars. Oh no, that's a business environment. I'm here. You wonder why it doesn't go so well. And you wonder why your, your, your desires for bottom line realities are overcoming your desire for justice and order and peace. No, businessman, sir, you meant to walk into that boardroom with the Spirit of God leading you. And when your business partners who are captivated by bottom line because those desires are throwing them around and they're saying we're willing to commit white collar whatever, I've seen it. I spent nine years in the marketplace. I saw it. You have to stand there and find courage, but it's not your own ability to find courage. It's your ability to be led by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God that was in Jesus. As He went to that cross, He said, you know what, guys? There's a higher call, and I cannot walk that road. This is the road I walk, because this road brings glory to my God. This road pleases my Father. That's my destination for eternity. I'd rather be with that guy now. And there might be consequences, but that same Holy Spirit will walk. The same Holy Spirit that gave David the ability to lift his heads above his enemies and see his father. And mothers, difficult years of little children. No, be led by the Spirit of God. Please read the Bible in those years more than books on how to raise your children. Just being honest. Find God. Find courage in Him. Be led by the Spirit of God. And please remember that your journey is one of being led by the Spirit of God. 
But all too often, when we think we've got this thing, we walk. And we find ourselves in places we shouldn't. This issue of freedom is a big thing. It's just a, it's just a really, really big thing. And every illustration has its limits. Has its limits. Jesus says in John 15, abide in me. Abide in me. Abide. I was away for two days. I got home last night and my little boy came through. My wife was still in Pretoria. And at about two in the morning, he wanted to, he, it's like he wanted to be inside me. Climbed little Benny, climbed inside my bed and, and he pushed himself into me. We slept like that for two hours. I love it. My wife hates it. I love it. He abided in me. Abide in me, Jesus says. And I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Too often we think we're the vine. You can't follow the Spirit of God and you won't allow yourself to be led when you consider yourself the vine. I'm just a branch. See, I've laid hands on the sick. I've laid hands on, on deaf people and they've heard their hearing again. And if I think somehow that was from me, I'm in trouble immediately. I've found victories in areas like finances and sexuality. I've, I've fought some battles and I've won some battles by the grace of God. If I ever think more of myself in that story, I'm telling you I will struggle to hear God's voice because I'm not allowing myself to be led. Because I think too much of myself. Now, I'm just a son trying to please his father. Not my earthly father. If I was a son trying to please my earthly father, I wouldn't be in ministry. Just a son trying to please my heavenly father. Because I'm going to spend eternity with him. And for eternity, I'll sing his praise. And for eternity, I will be abiding in him. Every minute, every hour, every day. Can we close our eyes, please? Come, Spirit of God. The everyday pouring in. The everyday walking with you. The everyday being led. Show me that again and afresh. Right now, along with some of my friends, I repent of arrogance and pride. I repent of self-dependence. I, I repent of, 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 of thinking too much of myself too often. I repent of telling testimonies, but actually I'm trying to get glory to myself. I repent of these things and I throw myself back into your goodness and your grace. And I say, I'm just a son trying to please a father. And I need you, Holy Spirit, to show me how. Every day, in the boardroom, in the doctor's rooms, in the study halls, in the school rooms, in the business halls, in the transport systems, whatever area of life, I need you, Spirit of God. More than I need a drip in this life. I need you. Can you keep your eyes closed just for a minute? It's an incredible phenomenon in the executive world right now. It's called vitamin IVs. And it looks like this. People have too much money, too little time, and too much pressure because their idols are demanding out of them. So they use drugs to get them through the day. 
and they use drugs to get them through the night, and then they don't sleep enough, which is a, actually a sin. The Bible says you must rest. And then they get up in the morning, and the way that they do again is they go to a specialist who gives them a vitamin IV every morning. And their body bounces back up again, and they do it all again. It's the phenomenon of our world. It's the way of our world. It cannot be our way. Our way is different. Our way is an every day as the deer pants for the water. So my soul. And sometimes my soul thinks too much of itself. I've got to speak to my soul and say, soul, I long for you, Jesus. And sometimes my soul gets down and I've got to say, soul, Jesus is the king of kings. He is faithful. He is true. He is kind. Sometimes my soul wants to run after other things like money or relationships or the approval of men. And I've got to say, soul, no, there's only one you are destined for. It's the Father in heaven. I pray, Spirit of God. I'm just going to give us a few seconds. Just allow the Spirit of God even now. This is a decision thing. So you've got to make a decision. Say, God, I want to be led again. I can sing the songs, come Holy Spirit, till I'm blue in the face. But if deep down I'm actually just arrogant and think I've got this thing, it's probably just principles I'm holding. And principles will bring some life, but they won't lead to life. Principles can't raise the dead to life. Principles can't bring the prodigal son back into his rightful place. Principles can't do that. God does that. while eyes are closed some of you have walked in those environments when you were younger maybe even last week like a strip club or a place you shouldn't be your journey from this place is not one of condemnation and fear that's what got you in there your journey to freedom is the grace and the washing of the blood of Jesus that this very second you are free and living from that place for a growing freedom. Come, Spirit of God. Have your way. Bring freedom in this place, life. Have your way. We don't want to just be good at doing church, God. There's got to be more. There's got to be more than meetings. There's got to be more. It's all good for us, but there's got to be more. I want freedom in my soul. I want freedom in my heart. And I want it for my friends too. And I know, Jesus, you paid that price on that cross so that we could have it. And we say thank you tonight.